Broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Women's Telehealth, whose mission is to bring scarce, high-risk maternal fetal medicine services to patients and referring obstetricians in their own community, urban or rural. Visit womenstelehealth.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Tanya Mack and C.W. Hall. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. It is the third Tuesday of the month, which means we have Tanya Mack with Women's Telehealth, our partner in the Top Docs Radio Show, making it available. Good afternoon. I'm pleased to have you back in the studio. Who's with us in the studio today? So we are going to be talking about healthcare IT today, and um, we have with us in the studio uh, April Cleek. April is the president and CEO of EHR Concepts, which is a, a national in 39 states, an international EHR company, and they focus in government and uh, public health and life sciences and IT market verticals. And her company is EHR, Con- uh, EHR Concepts. Uh, they also won multiple awards in Georgia, like the best place to work. Their clients include Bethesda, University of Massachusetts, kind of all over the place. So welcome, April. Thank you. Thank you she, for having me. Yeah. She's also recently, we were t- sharing pictures before we went on to the studio today, um, been an award winner for achieving the li- Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from President Barack Obama, right? Yes. Yeah. How yeah, exciting recently. is that? Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, quite the honor. Congratulations. Well, the reason that we picked the topic today is healthcare IT. We are sitting in the healthcare IT capital. And so uh, we do probably more business here in healthcare IT than any city in the United States. Mm -hmm. And just looking at the headlines we've had in the last month, global cyber attacks, Mm -hmm. um, including uh, healthcare companies, large healthcare companies. Mm -hmm. Um, We have healthcare reform on the political agenda. We're all using smartphones for healthcare. We're talking uh, in a lot of areas of our life. You just have to wake up and turn on the news and you will see some of what we're talking about today. So um, the past several years have laid a foundation for healthcare IT, but it's now screaming. We're kind of screaming, aren't we, April, into mm-hmm. digital use in healthcare. So we're going to talk about a lot of things, emerging technology changes, but we're actually going to start with April telling us about how she got started in the business and kind of your journey and where you started and, and yeah. how you got to here. Thank you, Tanya. EHR Concepts, EHR does stand for Electronic Health Records. In 2004, I was given the opportunity to implement the Department of Defense's Electronic Health Record. And that was when EHRs were not really known or talked about. Everybody was still on paper. You go to the doctor, you have your paper chart. We didn't want to hear about it. I was on the doctor's side then, and we didn't want to hear about that. Exactly. Um, However, the military saw how important it was for them to have an electronic health record that they could cross-reference for their soldiers and to be able to watch outbreaks and um, and trends and how to improve the health of the soldiers and our military personnel in the field. So it was really amazing for me to have that opportunity early on. And I was on the project 2004, 5, and 6 and was able to travel internationally from Japan to Netherlands, Italy, rolling out this electronic health record. When the project was over, there was the larger companies, all scripts, they still are one of the larger electronic health record providers uh, rolling out in the United States. But maybe at that time, there's maybe 10% of hospitals on an EHR. 
And I was able to work with them um, through a, a sub company teaching and rolling out their electronic health record. And from 2006 to 2010, I kind of learned the ropes of what it was to go into a healthcare organization, how to help implement an EHR, how to train the doctors and the nurses and the end users, the front desk, how to use it, and then try to win them over. When I finally started, launched my company um, officially in 2010, It was right place at right time where the government then mandated that everybody in the country would have to use an electronic health record. So I was thankful that I started my company. I didn't start my company because of that. I started it because I didn't want to travel anymore, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give other people opportunities, and I knew what we were doing was better. Mm -hmm. I knew the services that I could provide would be better the talent was better than what was out there in the field because I saw it. Um, so it was kind of how I got started. And we've, you know, grown in seven years because it is now, like you said, all the buzz and how fast and quickly it has saturated the market, um, right. healthcare IT in general. So interestingly enough, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the military's electronic medical record is the largest in the world right now. It is. And they also are replacing the EHR that I installed. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> so gonna, they're ripping and replacing We're going to talk about a lot of people are ripping and replacing right That's now from correct. early products. And That's we'll talk right. about that trend. So you kind of alluded to back when the government mandated, you were talking about meaningful use. Mm-hmm. And incentives, not only That's were right. they mandating, they were paying doctors to make the conversion. That's correct. Yeah. And that was uh, a, a lot of the health organizations, nobody wanted to hear that this was mandatory, mm-hmm. obviously. And so the government had to incentivize them to not only get on an EHR, but then use it in a meaningful way. And so they coined the term meaningful use and created measures along the way to have the organizations measure one, did you install it? Two, are you using it in the way um, that is going to improve the overall population health? Right. Um, so you bring up a good point. You talked about early in your career winning them over and <laughs> certainly still today, um, provider acceptance yeah. of lots of things from yeah. the medical record to you know devices that we use to learning new technology. Um, they're kind of resistant and slow adopters. So do you have any feel for where are we with EMRs in the United States? Like, have we reached that critical mass with meaningful use? Or mm. I still see lots of people, mm-hmm. I still have a client on paper. And That's so, right. Yeah, so That's it's, right. we're not all the way there yet, but where are we? One of the reasons why I launched my company is because I was I was personally working in the field and I saw how painful it was for a physician to take their pad of paper to write a prescription and write down with a pen two seconds of prescription, to then take them to a computer and they have to click 15 times Mm -hmm. to order that same medication. Mm -hmm. And I really... So it's compliant, but longer. In the beginning, yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, it was all for doctors, how many clicks to get where I need to go. And so I, I wanted... I really wanted to help. And so I would try to create ways to take those 12 clicks to two you know, whatever we needed to do in order to build the EHR. The problem that I have seen is it's not that they don't have an electronic health record. It's not that they're not using it. Most organizations have not optimized the use of it, meaning it can be customized. It can be optimized. It can... um, 
be used in a more efficient and effective way. So even though about 90% of the United States is on an EHR, there's probably only 35% of it being utilized in a meaningful way. And so I think that's where the rip and replace that we're going to talk about a little bit more comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, is 90% of the population on an EHR? Absolutely. The question is, is how is that utilization occurring within an organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of that is because they don't really look at their workflow. And so you can buy over the counter or you can buy out of the box kind of product. Um, but it doesn't work for you. That's right. So I always used to say it's the 80-20 rule. You know, it's like 80%, they work the same. That's right. There's like a demographic screen. There's a uh, assessment screen. They're all kind of sort of the same, might look a little different, but working it into your workflow and making your boxes for your specialty work a little better, your templates. That's right. Um, people, it's expensive. They don't They don't have coders in a practice. That's right. Um, <laughs> so it's a little bit different. So I hear that some of the frustration is not making it work in their flow, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about while we're here with the EMRs, kind of at the beginning, um, we had in the industry lots of different providers. We still have a lot of providers in the EMR world. And one of the issues now is them talking to other devices, interoperability, mm-hmm. healthcare exchanges have not mm-hmm. really evolved mm-hmm. how we thought they would. Mm-hmm. So even if you have a great workflow, as we start to connect electronically with other entities, we still are not there. That's Talk right. to us a little bit about that. The conundrum of electronic health records. It uh, It's interesting because, as you said, we're here in the capital of healthcare IT in this hub and in this city. And we have Northside Hospital and Emory Hospital and Grady and Piedmont and Wellstar and amazing and the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Amazing hospitals are right here, but guess what? They don't talk to each other. They, they don't talk to each other. So here we have done an amazing thing implementing uh, Ways to see if there is an interaction between allergies and medication that we couldn't do on paper. So has an electronic health record saved lives and continue to save lives? Yes. Are they able to monitor um, how many people are getting off diabetes? You know, we can talk about all the wonderful things that it is. It is. But the fact that they're not talking, there is still this huge gap. And every time they pop up an HIE or a statewide HIE, They're then running into the roadblocks of how to get them communicate in a safe and effective way, how to um, make them compliant with each other. Unfortunately, there's been such a saturation in the marketplace that everybody's thrown so many different softwares out there that are built on different platforms. Mm -hmm. So we have a ways to go, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, interfacing and interoperability is going to be with us for some time. Yeah, And it has been a huge topic. Uh, for many, many years already. Yeah. So where do you think you see the EMR market heading? Like some of the hopes and then some of the challenges. We just talked about one big challenge is talking with other systems or other devices or whatever it's plugged into. Mm -hmm. So interoperability would be a challenge. But what do you see as where are we headed? Like is meaningful use dead, do you think? Yeah. It has not panned out how people thought it would. Um, But there's a lot of positives. We definitely have moved the needle Mm -hmm. on um, being digital for sure. Right. Couple questions. 
that you just asked within that. So you have the meaningful use, which was you will be rewarded if you use the system and implement it. Then now it's gone to more of a macro MIPS mm-hmm. um, incentive pl- program, and that's a paid for performance. So if you haven't used it, mm-hmm. then your organization and or per provider is going to be hit from a financial standpoint. So now the incentive has, has shift, shifted to the place where how are you using it and are you going to get paid either from the insurance or, or penalized a percent. or penalized? Mm-hmm. We're trying to sell, get paid <laughs> so that they so be hear compliant. that, mm-hmm. so that they hear that. So that's one um, way that I see the industry going is really improving the utilization of the healthcare information technology that is being put in place. Uh, there not only has it been an electronic health record, but then you have all the inner workings of add-ons that are happening within an organization and then all the different layers. So I think improving the overall package of what healthcare IT looks like within an organization. And I think that that's only going to come bringing in, to be honest, bringing in outside talent to organizations that can do a discovery that has worked with similar organizations across the country. So the organizations right now aren't talking to each other at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's not like Northside and Emory, I'm just using two mm-hmm. examples, are having meetings, executives saying, what, the CIOs are meeting saying, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. But when you bring in high-level experts that can say, this is what we're seeing across the board and this is how we're doing things, I can see an increase in um, the utilization of it, how to bring all the software together, as well as how to improve the per- paper performance mm-hmm. um, or the penalization of it. So that's one thing I see. And then your second question was the future of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that answer. I wish I did. I would love nothing more than to see, which I don't believe will ever happen, uh, a universal healthcare system, um, similar to what the military is trying to, I mean, the government is trying to do in our military system. Mm -hmm. I would love nothing more than to see that on the commercial side, because I really, truly then believe that we will improve the population health as a whole, I, I, but that's a personal belief. Yeah, talking about the I would like that too, but I don't think we're going to get it. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't think we're going to get it yeah, either because the so proprietary either. line. But yes. do right. you see consolidation? Oh, a hundred percent. Because we still have lots of little EMR companies that are specialties. Mm-hmm. Or, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. I can see it being maybe the top four. I can see it. Like our insurance companies. That's exactly. And accounting. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your big five, you have your big whatever. I think we'll have our big four. Okay, very good. Well, let's, we're going to talk about an update in HIT, not just EMRs today. So I'd like to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about some other things happening. So on the provider side, in my circles, one of the big things people are talking about is ransomware and cybersecurity. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, where people think their systems are secure or they are they touch another vendor and they think that vendor is handling their security and then they come in and 50,000 of their charts are being <laughs> held for ransom and to get them back they're going to pay so many cents per chart or so many dollars per chart. Mm-hmm. Can you just speak a little just start to kind of educate us a little bit about um, the ransomware attacks and cybersecurity mm-hmm. in electronic medical records and I think this is one of the big biggest Fears coming true on the consumer side mm-hmm. and on the provider side is we're worried about security, mm-hmm. and here we are, and there's good reason to be worried. 
Uh, yeah. So I was actually talking to one of my colleagues who is the expert on um, on this and knowing that we were going to talk about mm-hmm. this today. And, uh, and he, we were talking about how important it is to move to something like a cloud-based service. Mm-hmm. And Well, one, you, people have if you if an organization has not brought in a team to do a risk assessment, mm-hmm. do it. Do it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I will come and do it. And a lot of them will even do a complimentary assessment. Mm-hmm. But what is the risk assessment? Where can they plug um, poke holes? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this idea of going to a cloud-based model will really help organizations because it creates um, an automation and better visibility into the company's risk. A lot, again, this is another thing that the organizations aren't wanting to do. They want to push back because they don't want to go to the cloud. Mm -hmm. However, the good news is the automation of it as well as the analysis of being able to see um, into it. So they need to get a big picture view across all their iCloud environments with a centralized management and control. people in place. Mm-hmm. So do they have the right people in place? Are they managing it? Are they reviewing it? Do they see where they are, you know, susceptible? Uh, another thing would uh, flag risks and remediate threats before they have a chance to affect operations. Uh, having, again, a cloud-based service, and this is this is me saying, mm-hmm. hey, go I believe in the cloud-based services because I have seen it protect our, our organizations. Uh, it's a lot harder to get in to organizations when it's on a cloud. Mm-hmm. And then because there's so many layers of defense mm-hmm. that they have to break through. So that would be probably two of my things that I would tell people right away. Um, and, and then another thing that he wrote down, I had... Um, I met with Josh. He said, by automating, well, actually, I'm just going to read what he wrote. He said, the question to the CIOs and the CISOs gain the visibility they need to minimize risk and maximize protection. By automating monitoring, analysis, and remediation across the entire cloud environment, security teams can gain the visibility they need to address the biggest cloud security and compliance challenges. Mm-hmm. So it not only addresses the security side, but it addresses the compliance side. So the two things that I have to say is get an assessment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get a risk assessment done as soon as possible and consider a cloud-based service company because that right away Mm -hmm. will help reduce a cybersecurity attack immediately. One of the things that I see, April, and I'm interested in your opinion on this, is a lot of hospitals are now in hospital systems Mm -hmm. and they have had now CIOs for decades. Mm -hmm. And they are big enough that they can do exactly what you suggested. Mm -hmm. However, a big portion of healthcare is not delivered in a hospital. Mm -hmm. It's delivered in an outpatient manner. And it's, uh, you know, a a group of 10 doctors Mm -hmm. or a group of 15 providers Mm -hmm. or a group of three. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we still see client server Mm-hmm. We still see client server mm-hmm. models out there. Mm-hmm. You know, a group of 10 doctors is not going to have a CIO. Mm-hmm. And so do mm-hmm. you have any recommendations or thoughts for the outpatient, more practice-oriented mm-hmm. um, kind of providers out there? 
that are on an EMR, but they're just not with the same resource base. Mm -hmm. Work with a company like mine. Okay. (laughs) And still probably you would say get a risk assessment. Yeah, we would, um, we would take them on Mm -hmm. and we would, uh, we would become basically their back end office. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would make sure they're protected. We would Mm -hmm. upload them on the cloud. We'd become their hosting site. We would become their IT service site. Mm -hmm. So we have done that for lots of um, people. It doesn't matter if you're a one provider practice or a 10 provider practice. You're exactly right. The larger healthcare organizations I would still recommend that those CIOs Mm -hmm. don't just assume that they're protected because we're seeing they're not. Mm. Uh, However, yes, I I would say outsource it to a company that that's all they do Mm -hmm. and or that's their niche, um, you know, or one of their primary services that they offer. Yeah. One of the things I, I, you didn't mention, but I think is really important to bring up is the training because I know you and I have Mutual friends in cybersecurity. My husband's in security for a government entity. And mm-hmm. um, it's that front desk person that gets the password yes. out. And right. it's the humans involved yes. in the chain <laughs> yep. that are most likely to be our breaches, I think. So mm-hmm. training staff and yes. um, making sure while we're on the topic of security that yep. your people are well-versed on security. And so good. You have procedures and policies to make sure. You know, I'm so used to thinking in IT terms Uh as a whole. So I always am looking at, okay, you need this software and you should go this platform and you should whatever. But it is as simple as the training. Yeah. Start there and exactly and know um, how to identify the threats, how to identify the emails, how to identify... I mean, is or what even is your internal policy on opening? <clears throat> that's right. Certain emails or sharing a password or that's right. Keeping your your data secure, and that's where a lot of the risk assessments going to come into play right. too. As simple as, do you have these policies when somebody is hired? Do they go through technically this security right. cyber right. attack class? Right. You know that they can yeah. put in put in place. Yeah. Well, those are all good um, recommendations. A risk assessment. Consider cloud-based if you're not, and go back to your training and um, making sure your employees know your own. I'd like to change to another healthcare IT topic if we can. You touched on it earlier, but I kind of want to revisit it and flesh it out a little bit, and that's the importance of just reporting. Mm. So we think a lot of, and we've already talked about, EHRs and healthcare IT in terms of clinical data Mm -hmm. and keeping clinical data, but now we're talking about enterprise-wide reporting or in the future trends to get paid better or penalized more based on the reporting that your system does. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of doctors that purchase these systems um, think in terms of the clinical because it's a health record, right? So we tend to think of that. But now the government is going to start asking us for data. Mm -hmm. And to get our payments, we're going to have to have data. We're going to have to participate. Mm -hmm. Can you just speak a little bit about the importance of Mm -hmm. um, like on typical, you work across lots of products. You Mm -hmm. work with Greenway, Cerner, Epic, Allscripts, all Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all have pretty much a a robust reporting thing. But can Mm -hmm. you just talk about that side of it for a minute? Because I think it's kind of something that's not often discussed. Mm -hmm. But when we tie it to money, Mm -hmm. we're all going to have to be thinking about that. (laughs) Exactly. I think, uh, yeah, there's two things. There is the money side, but then there's the actual patient side. Yeah, the clinical algorithms of treatment. Yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And um, let's just, I want to talk about that first because that's really where organizations or providers, um, clinical 
professionals then begin to understand why they have to do this. Mm-hmm. I've heard it so many times. A clinical professional say to me, I didn't go to medical school to play in a computer. Mm-hmm. Forget it. The purpose of an electronic health record was to improve the overall health of patients mm-hmm. and people. So those listening, they want to get well. Mm-hmm. Well, being able to analyze the data and the reporting that comes out of it actually can improve. Is this prescription helping? Were we able to reduce the cholesterol by X? Did, you know, if you take, let's just say diabetes, since that's probably the number one disease in the country, you have a medication like metformin. Is metformin helping? Effective. Is it effective? Is it doing what it's said to do? Or was it their diet changed? Or was it, um, you know, the instructions that they were given as they walked out? Mm-hmm. And I think we, we lose sight of why using the system and why it's so important to have the right reports is so powerful mm-hmm. right now. Because at the end of the day, we want to make patients healthier. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. And we have to see beyond the one provider's uh, results. And you have to be a part of a bigger pool. That's right. Yeah. You have to be part of a bigger pool. I mean, in in your industry, you are, you know, you're used to it working with um, OB patients Mm -hmm. all the time. And so you get a track nine months of ACOG forms, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but you begin to, all of a sudden you can see the trends Mm -hmm. in this high-risk pregnancy or this twin pregnancy or this diabetic you know, uh, pregnant women or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you're able to treat them better. You're able to offer different alternatives. You're able to save babies' lives. Like bigger picture. Yeah. What do you see in April with like, I know I went to the health IT conference a year or so ago where Watson Mm -hmm. was a huge, uh, Mm -hmm. IBM and Watson was a big vendor there talking about the algorithms. Mm -hmm. Once you get the data in, the algorithms being used for predictability and yeah. changes in care plans and things. Do you are you seeing that out there? I'm not seeing it as much as I thought expect to or thought I Me would. Too. But I do believe that Watson and or a version of Watson from a robot standpoint mm-hmm. will be able to bring a lot more cures mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, I agree. With One that. of the things I think that that was supposed to do, as I understand it, was that it's trying to get to where it can not only take those mapped data points, like I put in a blood pressure with Mm -hmm. systolic diastolic readings, and those are two mapped data points, right? But beyond that, the notes that I write in as a provider that may not be a drop-down selection, but are free text, important information about that patient's outcome. I believe that one of the things anyway, beyond, you know, some of the other greater analysis was to be able to then pull that and use it somehow as a a map data element mm-hmm. that can also go into those trend lines that you're talking about because those chart. pieces of mm-hmm. information are useful, but in the EHR, once it's in there, unless you're viewing it, it, it's not really contributing to what you're talking about in terms of an overall picture analysis. What did mm-hmm. you say this time versus what you said last time? And to, to be able to extract some trends and, and developments out of free text. Yeah. So even from like a flow chart perspective, if you you know, look at the bigger picture of trending it out and flowing it out, you'll be able to catch things so much 
quicker. Any provider um, or any clinical uh, professional is able to, you know, capture and see things hopefully before they were to happen. Um, And then you're actually just making me think of another thing. um, The benefit of reporting Mm -hmm. and data are those um, yearly reminders or Mm -hmm. those yearly tests that need to be done or whatever. Anything, exactly, a mammogram, a colonoscopy, whatever the case may be, there are so many benefits being able to see the trend and the data points that can be that can be drawn out. So reporting is absolutely critical, but we talked about this offline, um, but if junk is going in mm-hmm. to the EHR, meaning they're not taking the time to actually use it the way it needs to be used, or they're not updating everything the right way, then the reports is going to be the junk that's delivered. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that is where this whole paid for performance has come into play because now they're trying to incentivize them to s- don't put junk in, mm-hmm. you know, use it in a qualitative way, mm-hmm. use it in a way that's going to matter because at the end of the day, I think we lose sight of what really matters. Mm-hmm. And the point was to care mm-hmm. for the patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good points. Okay, let's change to another um, trend, HIT trend, that I know we're all seeing. Probably sitting right all here in the studio, we can pull up on our smart devices some health apps that we have. Um, But I want to talk about with EHR specifically, um, the trend toward integration with smart devices and mobile health. Um, I know I see doctors now rounding with phones, with smartphones, with iPads. Um, patients right now are working with mobile help, uh, mobile health apps like between their Fitbit and their phone, and we are now collecting data from smartphones back into the system. Like mm-hmm. I know in telemedicine, we look at blood sugars for pregnant ladies, and you know data comes right back into the system. So it used to be that it was just enough to learn the EHR. And then we would put in the data as clinicians. Mostly we were on our side. Now what is starting to happen is the patient is more (laughs) and more the source of the data directly. Mm -hmm. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you're just seeing with the peripherals? Mm -hmm. So um, primarily what you're speaking to is what's called a patient portal. Mm -hmm. To the patients that are listening, make sure that you are registered on your patient portal, first and foremost. Um, What doctor you see, and every doctor that you see has a different portal unless it's under an umbrella. So if you are with an organization, you typically will have the same patient portal. If it's an organization that's listening, make sure that the patient portal is being utilized and you can run a report to see how many patients have been registered on it. When patient portals first got introduced, the purpose of them would to be introduced was to, for the simple ap- appointment reminders, but then it quickly became a way to interact with your doctor um, as well as upload. So we have, I know I've used diabetes, but this is the easiest one to use. You have the diabetic patient at home that's checking their blood sugar levels and they're uploading it to their portal and the doctor gets notified and it and it either flags them or it doesn't. So they're able to even catch things prior to them getting out of control. Or let's say it's your blood pressure. You do your blood pressure at home, you upload them, the doctor gets notified and they have the alerts right away. So I think a patient portal is amazing. Um, in many regards, I see the two negatives would be one, it's not being used. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've offered a lot of those services to come in and get on both sides, the patient side and the organization side. So one is not being used. And two, 
I don't want to throw a provider under the bus, Mm -hmm. but they may not be checking their alerts. They mm-hmm. may not be utilizing, uh, if the patient is taking time, it's it's easy to be missed. So again, I think it does come down to a utilization thing. That kind of goes back to how you use the system because right. I know we use tasking as right. kind of a function. So if we set up our tasking queue to be an abnormal lab comes in and the queue is set up so that it alerts. If you never bother to customize your EHR to set it up, you won't get it. One of the things that I learned speaking with a couple of physicians in their primary care office around the EHR, they didn't speak of it fondly, um, but one of the big things that they disliked, somewhat to the point you were just making, maybe they didn't check the alerts, they they described it as pop-up fatigue. They're like, if I want to change, if you come into my office today and, and I need to give you a renewal for your Simvastatin prescription... I get all this, whoa, 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 you've already got this patient on Simvastatin. Are you sure you want to do that? And it's like, dude, I'm just renewing a prescription. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've got to do three, four clicks, and it's getting to where it's almost automatic. Just click, click, Mm -hmm. click, 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 and just X out of all these things that are coming up. Does does that kind of come into play? 100%. What I would say to that, which is where services like my company or other companies offer, is that tells me you probably haven't optimized your system to the place where it needs to be. Uh, you know, you have a very out of the shelf, you know, it's kind of like your iPhone. You get the iPhone, but then you set it up. And so, or you don't, and you're getting notifications and you're getting alerts and you download this app and you forgot to do this and you didn't update that. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It's the same thing with EHR technology. And so I, I see the pain in the field. I feel it. I see it. It's kind of why I'm passionate about the services that we offer because I want nothing more than to come in and alleviate that frustration. Is it, can you alleviate it altogether? Absolutely not. Uh, You know, can I say that an iPhone is never going to say you need to be updated? Mm -hmm. You know, no, but it can be optimized. There are ways to customize the application to the place where it's not pinging you constantly or a workflow, going back to what we originally talked about, set up a workflow to where your nurse is the first line of defense or you have an, a nurse practitioner who renews all the medications. You know, there are different ways where you don't get different pop-ups that can improve it. It's taking the time to do it. And time is not on everybody's side, specifically when they have so many patients to see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. April, can you speak a little bit about the other thing? We talked a little bit about interoperability between systems, but another big trend in HIT is the number of devices that connect directly into the EMR. Yeah. So at the very beginning, for example, there weren't blood pressure cuffs that dumped the, you know, information straight into the EMR. On my side, I have ultrasound machines that now do a study and it comes from the machine directly into the widget and it's uploaded to the cloud and it goes straight into the EMR. And so um, we're seeing more and more like EKG machines and things. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing with devices? Is it, are we about there? There's new ones being developed all the time. Mm -hmm. How easy, are people really utilizing those tools Mm -hmm. in a clinical setting or is Mm -hmm. that still the minority are? Uh, No, I actually, I think with any technology, everybody's trying to create something faster that whistles a little bit prettier. Uh, But I have actually seen um, so many devices, like you're saying, I mean, even from OB, the blood pressure, you mentioned a few that do just dump right in that make it so seamless. Mm -hmm. And the people 
that are struggling are the ones that aren't taking advantage of that. You know, you have your Welch Allen machines that are so simple to do vitals mm-hmm. within minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, seconds, not Saves even minutes. Just data entry seconds. from the nurses. And you yeah. hit enter and brrr, mm-hmm. it's right in. Mm-hmm. Um, you There are bubble forms out there. Uh, one of my partners, there's bubble forms out there where the patient fills out the bubble form in the waiting room and it, it uploads into the EHR exactly where it needs to go from the past medical history to the past surgical history to the family history to the allergies and the bubble forms are so, are recognizable based on coded to that EMR. So it doesn't matter if you're a Cerner application or an Allscripts application. And it's people that aren't utilizing it that are having to click and type, 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 click, type, type, type. Um, so I think that the technology is out there. I have seen it used and make life so much better. Uh, but there are other people that are still trying to create prettier yeah. and, you know, prettier whistles, if yeah. you will. But it is out there. Yeah. Um, the technology is there. I know in my business, doing long distance care, we're now seeing remote home monitoring and Bluetooth devices in homes being integrated more from the patient side, not from just the clinical setting. Mm -hmm. And so it's getting even more advanced in terms of where we do it. Let's change topics again. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked a little bit about kind of thorns in the side of EHRs. And one of those um, from from my side and from the provider side is support. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the last thing we want in a clinical workflow is Something's not working. Mm-hmm. Stop. And I'm not the help. I'm not the help desk. There's mm. like no IT people. Mm. Really, we outsource all that. And so can you talk a little bit about, I think one of the trends that we talked about in preparing for today mm-hmm. is just a lot of organizations are just outsourcing their help desk mm-hmm. for their EMR. Can you speak a little bit about that and what yeah. your company does with that? Yeah, what I'd love to. So uh, actually, several years ago when I was working in the clinic, it was just I saw a provider hit a wall, system doesn't work right, they can't find something. They have two choices, either stop what they're doing and call the help desk (laughs) or go submit a ticket, which they're still doing now, Mm -hmm. or go to paper. And when I saw that back in the day, I was like, there is some serious dysfunction in this process. So I uh, I created actually an um, a live chat model inside the Allscripts applications. I haven't done it in any of the other platforms, but where you can instantly talk to somebody. Great idea. Inside. The clinician. Mm-hmm. The clinician can talk to anybody on demand very quickly. Um, I went to Allscripts with my idea, became a software development partner, built it, plugged it in, and... Um, and nobody else, you know, has done that since. Um, in addition to that, we now offer full service help desk solutions. And there are other companies as well where you can just have on-demand help. So rather than stop and submit a ticket, which you still are going to have to do, but why not utilize somebody to do that? Find um, a company that has on-demand help because I think that that goes to the dilemma of the provider not wanting to use it. And it doesn't just have to be the providers, the nurse. Mm-hmm. It, it's all yeah, the way down the chain. Blind. It's everybody. Mm -hmm. When you don't know how to use something, what do you typically do? Stop using it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm stuck. Yes. I'm I'm over it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and so I think finding solutions that are out there from help desk solutions, live chat solutions, on-demand support, 
um, will increase so efficiency. Good, those of you that are thinking of changing, ask those questions. Like, what tools do you have yes. for support for the clinician in the moment? Because the patient's still in your face. The patient's still here. That's right. I got to keep dealing with things, whether my technology has decided to go with me or not. Yeah, yep. that's true. Okay, let's switch up. We've talked a lot about patients. I directly want to speak about patient engagement. Mm -hmm. So at the very beginning, back when you started, uh, I did EMR implementations. We focused a lot on getting the providers used to an EMR. (laughs) Now we have the patients own their records. Mm. We have personalized medicine. We have Mm. patients at home. We have Apple and Google and everyone else getting into the EMR business. And so the patients are really touching Mm -hmm. the health records more than they ever have before. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about what you're seeing, what problems, what promise? That's like a whole newer, newer than older thing that we're seeing as we all engage with our health records and we become better consumers Mm -hmm. of healthcare since we're paying more. I agree with letting the patients have more direct access to their records. What I have appreciated is that um, they have protected the notes for the most part. You'll notice you may have access to your record, but you won't see the doctor's notes. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I think I believe in um, the preservation of what is in the actual notes um, for the sake of clinical use and professionalism and insurance. Uh, so when you have access to your record, you'll notice that you it, you only have access to so much. You know, maybe your list of medications, maybe your allergies, your labs, sometimes your x-rays, but again, it depends. Mm-hmm. And did they even upload mm-hmm. to the portal? Do you have access to it? I agree with it, but at the same time, I'm not sure that our population is ready as a whole to take things into their own hands because as they take things into their own hands, we think Google is smarter than an MD. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a fine line. It's enough to be dangerous. Yeah, I agree with that. What to protect. And even from a HIPAA standpoint, how to make sure that that is protected, even, even if I think that it's okay if the, that people see this about me, but maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we become, we want to then become the doctor, mm-hmm. just like we want to become the God. Mm-hmm. We want to become, and I think that we need to be, that patients need to understand there's a reason why mm-hmm. there's protection in place and why the healthcare organizations hold on to Yeah, so I think it's a really protection. controversial topic. I agree. I, I know, I think a lot of providers are more transparent than they ever have been. I think it's very common, since I'm a provider, that the patients will get a copy or a printout of their encounter Mm -hmm. right at the time that they check out, where they used to have no idea what the doctor would write on that record. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot more provider transparency, Mm -hmm. um, but there there still is, we live in a litigious society. And so and right. I think you make a great point about, well, I'm going to diagnose myself by staying on WebMD all night, just deciding what I've got done here. So, you know, yes, so I think it is that, a double-edged that, sword. That. Yeah. And um, when we want our record, of course, we feel entitled to have it. So if we have our own healthcare problem, it's our health. And on that side of the equation, we feel like we should have access to whatever involves us. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, on the provider side and on the clinical side, Yeah, it's kind of enough to be dangerous sometimes when there's not full understanding. 
Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's just our ego, I think. I think so, too. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about some EHR disruptors. We only have a few minutes left. There's everything from like healthcare IT staffing shortages. Um, what we're in the middle of a labor shortage now. You know, we went through a time period where nobody could find a jobs. Now it's getting qualified help is getting really, really difficult. Yeah. And I would imagine in health IT, since it's a newer specialty, yeah. you know, what do you see? I bet that uh, mm-hmm. I, I see all the time that um, there are not enough qualified healthcare IT workers or staff or from the project managers to the network people to, what do you see? So it is what our company does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it is very important for me to be able to find the talent Mm -hmm. um, to deliver the talent when they need it. So if they are needing subject matter experts on Cerner, Epic, Allscripts, whatever the case may be, I can't turn around and say, oh, we don't, there's nobody left. I know this isn't what you asked, but I think Mm -hmm. Uh, the way I can answer it is we've created a cross-pollination effect. So I have people that have worked in the electronic health record industry for, let's say, more than 10 years that are experts both in and outside multiple applications. And I have them cross-pollinate with other subject matter experts that I have within my organization. Because once you're in this industry and you kind of know software and um, and all the pieces that go into it, it doesn't matter technically if it's an Allscripts product or a Cerner product. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important that you find a trusted vendor that can provide staffing needs uh, that you've probably used in the past or haven't tried somebody new. And, um, and if they're smart, they've cross-pollinated their experts because our attrition rate is very little. We have about 96% attrition. I think the why people stay with my organization, I keep them working, mm-hmm. I cross-pollinate them, I teach them multiple softwares and and I'm able to push them out. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find, I think, the right staffing firm. That's that, a great point because people get used to their way through the rat maze. That's right. So if you were a project manager with one product, Mm-mm. Even though the screens are patient screen, insurance screen, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You still have to know navigation. Mm-hmm. And so the broader your skill set is across multiple um, companies and products that even they have internally, yep. the more valuable people are going to be. We have never um, not been able to produce the subject matter expert that they have needed. And I believe that it goes to the attrib- attributing to my team that has constantly poured back in mm-hmm. to everybody that we that we have in the field, whether they're a consultant or a W-2 employee. Mm-hmm. Um, we seem to be seeing, as kind of dovetails into this um, April, a lot of system. Systems were set up for, at the beginning, one use, and now they're enterprise-wide. Yeah. And what worked when they installed it does not work today. Mm-hmm. So we started the show with <laughs> ripping out and reinstalling or mm-hmm. changing vendors. Are you seeing, like, I see that a lot. I see that in this town a lot even, too. Yeah. So Huge. And that has been a lot of the um, that work that we've been recently and doing. And it's a multi-year disruptor. I mean, by the time it spreads out everywhere. And hundreds of millions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> multi-year, hundreds of millions. And, um, you know, the government mandated it. You throw something at the wall. You hope it works. And then you realize... Mm-hmm. It's not working the way we anticipated. Um, unfortunately, that's technology. Right. 
But keeps keeps you in business. Keeps us in business. Keeps you in business. <laughs> and on that, we're going to actually have to wrap up today. Before we leave, I appreciate you being here. I want to give you a chance just to talk a little bit about anything that you'd like to leave the listeners mm-hmm. who could be patients, providers, CIOs, yeah, um, with today as they're thinking about healthcare IT and some of the challenges they have or food for thought. You're mm-hmm. expert in this business, wow. and most of us are not. Well, I would say um, the first thing that came to me was don't lose hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technology, um, you know, has its pros and its cons. But I'd really like for people to focus on the pros. If you're an organization, um, you know why you're sitting in the seat that you're sitting in. And uh, it's not only to become probably the best healthcare provider that you can become, but also to save lives. And if you're a patient, don't get frustrated because it's a huge learning curve. Um, so to be hopeful in um, in where technology is going and the purpose of healthcare IT as a whole. I think people forget that there is a huge purpose behind it and what paper couldn't do um, and an EHR can do. And then also if an organization is listening to make sure that you have the outside resources to assess where maybe um, you haven't been compliant or you're not up um, on where the future is going and um, have the right infrastructure in place to to evolve um, to where you need to be. Um, yeah, those would be... Very good. Very good tips. Well, I really have appreciated you keeping us focused on clinical <laughs> during a technology talk today. Aww. So I really appreciate that. Let's let the listeners know how they can reach out to EHR Concepts and you for more information. Yeah, you can go to our website, ehrconcepts.com. Um, you can email us at info at EHR Concepts or uh, give us a call, 866 866- Six seven four zero nine nine nine. But thank you so much yes, for having yeah, we've me. We enjoyed it, CW. I'll tell you, this is one of our longest shows, and I feel like I've been sitting here five minutes. I know this Aww. has been a really yeah. Good we one. didn't really get to everything we'd like to. We got through a lot, but yes. Yeah, so um, definitely visit ehrconcepts.com and learn more about how April and her organization can support your IT challenges. And I would also encourage you to go by womenstelehealth.com, learn more about the high-risk maternal fetal specialty care that they're able to provide using telehealth technology and help patients stay close to home. Uh, They've already demonstrated that their care can significantly make an impact on premature deliveries when their services are being utilized, making that high-risk maternal fetal specialist available to a patient that otherwise it would be a two-hour drive sometimes or more for them to be able to get access to that care. So womenstelhealth.com. Make sure that you have subscribed to the Top Docs radio show. That way, when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded to your device. You can check it out when it's convenient for you. Turn around and put this out on LinkedIn. Put it out on Facebook. You might just be sharing information with somebody that means something to you. A great conversation today. I enjoyed having you in the studio. And Tanya, you always keep bringing all these great concepts to talk about, man. Everybody out there who made us a part of your day-to-day want to say thank you so much. We look forward to catching up with you next time. We'll see you then. Everybody have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. 